welcome to Emily in the Morning. This is the podcast on which I share my morning cup of coffee with a poem by Emily Dickinson, and I share that poem with you. Today's poem is longer than the one we had yesterday. It's three stanzas of eight lines each, and it's the one that begins, The Feet of People Walking Home. The feet of people walking home with gayer sandals go, the crocus till she rises, the vassal of the snow, the lips at alleluia long years of practice bore, till by and by these bargemen walked singing on the shore. Pearls of the divers' farthings extorted from the sea, pinions the seraph's wagon, pedestrian ones as we. Night is the morning's canvas, larceny, legacy, death but our rapt attention to immortality. My figures fail to tell me how far the village lies, whose peasants are the angels, whose cantons dot the skies. My classics veil their faces, my faith that dark adores, which from its solemn abbeys such resurrection pours. This poem, again, it's in, broken into three parts, so we might as well take one part at a time. Uh, the first part, the first eight lines, is Dickinson remarking, the opening line is, the opening two lines are particularly nice, and the feet of people walking home with gayer sandals go. She just notices how when, when you're on your way home, the journey doesn't seem quite as long, and it's it's happier, it's a, your, even your feet are more pleasant, or more, more happy to be on the road walking along. And then she moves into another image, right? The crocus till she rises being the vassal of the snow. And this is the sort of image we're going to see for a while in this poem, right? So things that are boring or in bondage, but then awake and arise into some new glory, right? So the crocus is being imprisoned by the snow until the plant comes up and it's beautiful and glorious. And then the next image is hymns, right? So this, there's so much religious imagery in this poem as usual, but this one is particularly blatant, right? She's not even hinting at it. She's just telling you. Um, so the lips at Alleluia, long years of practice bore, right? And you get the image of people singing these hymns over and over in church and they're bored of them. And they're like, ah, oh, we sang this one last year. We sang this one the year before. I'm bored of it. But she says, soon, by and by, right? The bargemen will be singing on the shore. So you're going to, it's like another boat image of eternity, right? So you're sailing on this barge, but soon you're going to be on the shore and then the song will make sense and then you're going to want to sing them. So that's the first stanza. Moving on to the next one, we've got pearls of the divers, farthings extorted from the sea. So precious things, This that's kind of, I guess, the theme of this next eight lines. Things that are precious but not to those who who have them, right? So she talks about pearls being farthings, like, you know, not much money cheap to the divers who extort them from the sea. And pinions, those those wings, the the wing feathers, the outer wing of a bird. She calls them the seraph's wagon, right? So the angels don't view their wings as anything special. And this is an interesting little line here, pedestrian once as we. So she seems to be saying that the angels were once people who walked like us. So again, this is an interesting theological question, but she's kind of playing on that general thing that we say, like someone so dies and becomes an angel. 
So then she moves from that into something a little bit more abstract, right? Night is the morning's canvas. So again, the morning is only able to be bright because of the darkness that came before. And so she goes through these sequence of images and then she eventually arrives at death. So death, but our rapid attention to immortality. And it's a beautiful image of death isn't you going to sleep, but waking up to something else, right? So in this sort of comparison, the night, the darkness, right, would be death, which has to precede that awakening into immortality. So that's the second stanza. There's obviously more. I'm going over it very briefly. Um, in the third stanza, the final one, she's trying to figure this out and she can't. Her figures fail to tell her how far the village lies. So she's trying to find heaven, essentially, right? And going back to that religious imagery from the first stanza. And again, in heaven, everything is ordinary. So the peasants, the angels are the peasants there, right? Um, but she can't figure it out. She's gone to the classics and she says it's veiled their faces. She can't figure it out from classic works. She can't figure it out from mathematics. And then she ends with faith, right? And she says the faith that my faith that dark adores. So the faith may not be able to cast light on exactly where heaven lies, right? That's still in darkness. But in this darkness, we also jump back to the night image of the last poem with death. But then the last two lines, right? So which from its solemn abbeys, the solemn abbeys of the faith, such resurrection pours. So it's almost a repeat of that night to morning image here. So the faith here and now is dark, it is the night, but it leads us inevitably to that resurrection, which is the bright light of morning. And that's where, that's where Emily leaves us. She's gotten to that part of the image and then just stops. And she always does this wonderful thing where she pulls away before the image is completely clear, which leaves it a little bit vague, but also beautiful in its sort of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, duality, right? The way that you can interpret it in so many different ways and see it from so many different angles. So that is, I guess, all we have time for today. But join me again tomorrow for another wonderful poem. Thank you.